In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, and we read today the story of the prodigal son, which is the son who uh, took his father's inheritance early, before his father died, and he went and he wasted it. And he spent it on wasteful living, on sinful living, and then he decided, after he had reached the rock bottom, that he would return again to his father. And we see in this story that you have three main characters, who is the father, and then the son, the younger one, who took the inheritance and left, and you have the older one who stayed in the house. If you see, this, the, the, the victim of this whole story is the father himself, in the way that his sons treated him, both the younger son at the beginning of the story and the older son at the end of the story. And we see the kindness and the love that the father has for his two sons. He says in verse 31, speaking to the older son, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. And this really statement kind of tells us something, gives us some insight about how the father loves and how he is willing to accept whatever it is that his sons were going to do to him. And this did not change his love for them. And while he had to take a lot on himself, that he was insulted, that he was disrespected, that he was mistreated, that nobody in this whole story cared at all about what the father wanted or what the father felt or what the father deserved or anything about the kindness that should be shown to the father or the honor that should be given to the father. But everyone acted in this story, the two sons, they acted selfishly and all they cared about was themselves. The younger son at the beginning, all he cared about was his inheritance. It's like he's saying to the father, I don't love you at all. All I care about is what I can get from you. Just give me the money that is owed to me and I will leave. And yet we see that even after the son did this, the, the father did not hate his son. The father did not fall into depression. The father did not change his attitude toward his son, but continued in love toward him. And at the end of the story, after the son returned, the younger one, and he is now having this conversation with the older son, and, and the older son is making it very clear that he also doesn't really care for the father. All he cares about, again, is his possessions. What is it that I have? Why are you giving the younger son more than you are giving me? And again, the father is having to be very humble in dealing with him. So I want to speak a little bit about how did the father show love to his sons and how also this is a reflection, because this story is a reflection of our heavenly father and how is it that he shows love to us. The first way that the father showed love to his sons is that he gave them free will. He gave them a choice. Their, their home was not a prison to them. And when I say that, I mean that they even had the opportunity and the freedom to choose to do wrong. They had the freedom to choose to do what was wrong for them to do. We read in verse 13, Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. This was not the will of the father. It was not the will of the father that the younger son was to take all of the inheritance early and travel and go with it somewhere else and to waste it. Certainly, if the father had any say in this, if the father, if they had asked him, Father, what is it that you want me to do? He certainly would have said, yes, go, my son, and take all of my things and go and, and waste it in, in this lifestyle that you want to live. And yet, even the father knew what was coming, and he knew that the son was making a poor choice, and yet he still allowed the son to go and to do what it is that he had chosen to do. Oftentimes as parents, we feel like that it is the right way to parent is to always control our children. Certainly when our children are younger, this is appropriate because we are still teaching our children what is right and wrong. But at some point, once we have done our duty and taught them what is right and wrong, and now they have the freedom of choice, that even when they are preparing themselves to make a wrong choice, 
This is something that we should allow them to do. How is it that they are going to learn what is actually right from wrong if we are preventing them from making wrong choices all the time? Actually, our Heavenly Father, God, He is the one who first instituted this principle. In the Garden of Eden, whenever he saw that Eve was about to reach her hand to eat from the forbidden fruit, he did not immediately jump in and stop her and try to tell her, wait, didn't I tell you you shouldn't eat from this fruit? Don't even get near this tree. This serpent is deceiving you. He felt that Eve had everything that she needed in order to make a, a wise choice. It's not that she was ignorant of what she was about to do. It's not that she didn't realize that what she was about to do was wrong. She knew. She knew that it was wrong and she knew everything about what was going to happen, what the consequences were, if she continues in her action. And yet, God, and this is indeed out of his love, he offered her freedom. He says, I allow you to choose. I have, I have given you, I've told you what is right, but I allow you to choose. And actually we see that the younger son, even though we see that he went through this period of his life where he was living you know, in a very difficult way and he was living in sin and he was living in poverty and he went through this very difficult time in his life. But it was because of the father's love of allowing him free will that he had this opportunity to go away to experience the consequences of his actions and then finally be able to return again changed. When he returned again, he was no longer the same person that he was when he left. So if you could say from the story, it appears from the story that the, the unwise son was this younger one at the beginning of the story. And yet by the end of the story, this son has returned and he is now wiser because of the experience that he had. So sometimes we prevent our children from graining this wisdom and learning what is it that they need to know in life to live because we do not allow them to experience the consequences of their actions. And certainly when we begin this process at a young age, when the consequences are minor in comparison, it is a better thing for us to do because certainly as we know, as people get older, the consequences of wrong choices definitely increases. So this is the first way that God showed love to his sons, to us, is that he gives us free will to choose. The second way that the father showed love to his sons is that he didn't rescue the younger son from the bad consequences after the wrong choice that he had made. In, in, in verse 6 it says the son is saying he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. This was the suffering that this younger son was experiencing and certainly the father understood that the way that the son was living was wrong and that he had fallen into poverty and that he was in need and yet this, the father never left his home and he said, you know what, I'm going to go and find my son and I'm going to feed him all the food that he needs. I'm going to give him all the money that he needs. I'm going to do any of this because what would have happened? It, he simply would have enabled the wrong lifestyle that the son had chosen. He would have said, you know what, you're living in this way. I'm just going to give you more fuel to continue living in the way that you are living. Free will means that I have the free will to make a choice and I also have the free will to reap the consequences of that choice. If we say that God is going to give us free will to make a choice, but then he rescues us from the consequence of that choice, then we really don't have free will. Free will means I can choose freely, and whatever the consequences, whatever the results are, I also take responsibility for those myself. Again, when you look back at Adam and Eve, God did not rescue them after they had fallen 
and says, okay, you know what? I'm going to cancel out the actions that you did as though it never happened. And let's just pretend that it didn't happen. And we'll just go along in our way. No, he said, I give you the free will to choose. And now you have to take responsibility for the actions that you have done. Certainly did this not cancel out God's mercy. Because we know that in the story of salvation, God was merciful. And he made a plan of salvation to redeem mankind again to himself. But sometimes we, we see that when someone commits a mistake, like a one-time mistake, something that they did wrong, maybe the right action is to go and to save them immediately. But other times when there is something systemically wrong with a pattern of life that someone is living, in this case, saving them over and over and over is only enabling them continue that pattern of life again. In this case, in this story, the, 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 the mindset, the, the, the entire way of thinking, the lifestyle of this younger son was the problem. It wasn't that the son was living well and then he, he made this one-time mistake in which case the father would go and bring him back and say son i know you made a mistake and that you're not going to do this again so let me save you i'm going to have mercy on you from this mistake that you did instead there was something intrinsically inherently wrong with the way that the son was thinking even from the beginning of the story for the son to go and ask his father give me the portion of inheritance that is mine this wasn't because the son lived as a, as a good son all his life and then suddenly one day he woke up and said, give me what is mine. There was something inherently wrong with the way the son was living, his thought process. What He, he didn't even care about the father. All he cared about was, his, was himself. He was very selfish and he was very foolish. And so the father, knowing this and wanting to correct this, he allowed his son to experience those consequences so that when he would return, he would be restored not only to his place as a son in the household, but he would be far wiser and far better as a result. So this is the second way that God shows love to us, is he allows us to change through experiencing the consequences of our choices. It is not the case that God is going to always come and swoop in and fix everything that we mess up. And this is not because God doesn't care. And it's not because God is not merciful. It's because God wants us to grow. And sometimes the, the way that we grow is not listening to sermons because oftentimes we hear with our ears many, many good messages all the time, but they don't sink into our hearts and that we don't begin to practice them. And it is only when we find ourselves in a situation like this prodigal son that it gets our attention and we begin to take to heart all the things that we've heard and all the things that we've known are true but had a difficult time to practice them. So out of his love, the father's love to us, he allows us to go through some kind of negative consequences of our actions to help and teach us the direction that we should go. The third way that the father showed love to his sons is that he raised his sons to have good memories, to have a good experience in the home. Once the son, the prodigal son, had decided and realized that his way of life was wrong, that it was foolish, that, that, that he couldn't continue in the way that he was, he, he thought to himself, what is it that I should do? And what was the conclusion? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? The door was open for him to return because he knew that his father loved him and he knew that his father was a good man. He had built up all of these good experiences with his father throughout his life to where the idea of returning to his father wasn't objectionable to him. You know, we know of many stories maybe of people that leave home in a, in a very um, angry way. Maybe they're upset with their parents about something and they say, you know what? I'm never going to go back to that house again. Never. Why? Because of all the negative experiences that I had in my life. Maybe they didn't feel the love of the parents. And so for that reason, even if 
they are in a situation like the prodigal son says i will never go back there i will i will find anyone to help me anywhere but i will never go back to this place again because this place is a place of pain for me so it was very important in the way that the father showed love even before the story began the way that 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 the father kept giving them good experiences like something for them to look forward to and to look back on this is what allowed the son to return so it's very important for us to see the god in this light and to see how god is always showering us with love all the time so that even if we depart from a time we remember the good memories we remember the, the 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 joy that we had in prayer we remember the joy that we had even in fasting we remember the joy that we had in being in the church we remember the joy of being with god we want to return again to god even if we are away for a time the fourth way that the father showed love to his sons is that he did not blame the son when he returned in verse 20 when the son was returning we read but when he was still a great way off his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This was the response when the son returned. It wasn't like a picture of a father who is cold, who is sitting in the house waiting for his son to return so he could make him feel bad and make him feel like, how have you disrespected me? Don't I deserve better from you? After all that I've done for you, don't, don't, like, how could you do this to me? The father didn't make it about himself. It, it, he accepted all of this disrespect and dishonor and he never commented on it. He never mistreated anyone. He never responded. And even though it was his right to receive honor, but he knew what was even more important than him to receive honor was for his son to live, was for his son to return and to be restored again. And so he never mentioned or brought this up. He completely accepted humiliation for the sake of his son and all he cared about was to make his fun joyful and, 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 and happy again to where he would take the initiative and run out to greet his son and to bring him back. This is how much the father loved the son. And again, the same is true with us. Sometimes we feel like when we have fallen into sin, whether a specific big sin that maybe we feel is so big and difficult or whether it's a, it's a, a lifestyle of sin, whether maybe I've left the church and I feel like I can never go back again because how, what is it that God is going to say about me? How is it that God is going to treat me? But this is not the way that God works. This is not the way God operates. He is so joyful at anyone who begins to turn and to begin to change that all of these past offenses are completely forgotten. This is not something that God is going to remember, that God is going to bring up again, that God is going to push in our face and say, look, you lived a certain way, you lived a sinful way for these number of years, so I'm going to make you have suffering and pain for a certain number of years. Sometimes people think this way. They think that, you know, God is punishing me because I didn't pray enough. God is punishing me because I didn't fast. God is punishing me because of this and this. God does not punish us for these things. God wants us to do these things because we will benefit from them. And he's encouraging us to do them and he wants to, us to do them. But God is not going to say, you know what, you perform one sin, so I'm going to like hurt you in equivalent. That's not, that's not the way that God works. God is a loving God and he is willing even to accept suffering, as we see as evidence on the cross, that the kind of suffering that Christ accepted without any, um, without any accusation against anyone. That even those people who are crucifying him, crucifying him on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was his response to all of the attacks that was coming on him. And certainly we see this example here in this parable. 
The fifth way that we see the father's love to his sons in this parable is that the father humbled himself. When the younger son came and he was accepted again by his father and the older son got wind of it and he heard that this had happened and he became upset because his father decided to hold a party to kill the fat calf to, 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 be, to rejoice because his younger son had returned. The older son was jealous and angry and it says in verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Again, it is the father didn't need to do this, right? The father could have just said, you know what? You're, you're just, again, you're selfish. You're not happy. You're not joyful that your younger son has returned. Just go do whatever you're going to do. But no, he, 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 he left. He went outside to, to meet his son that would not go in. And again, he humbled himself. He didn't, he didn't seek out the honor that he deserved as a father. He, instead, he, he abased himself. He made himself the lowest out of everyone, even though he was the victim, even though he was the one who was constantly being offended, that he was constantly being dishonored, and yet he did not make this into any big deal. All he cared about was his son's well-being, whether the older or the younger. All he wanted is his sons to be joyful. Like God is saying, he wants us to be joyful in his house. He wants us to be joyful in his kingdom. He wants us to come to his kingdom. He's willing to accept curses and insults. He's willing to accept blasphemy. He's willing to accept everything, right? And he doesn't hold these things against us. He wants to forgive us of all of our sins. And he says, just come to my house and I will forgive you of all of your sins. And I will not hold anything against you and come and rejoice with me in heaven. And we are like the ones like these sons that whether the younger son who all I'm looking for is what I can get out of this. And maybe I go live my life away from God. Or the older son, who is like the one who remains in the church and yet feels entitled. Feels like I'm here because I deserve to be here. I'm here because I deserve certain things and I, I, I deserve certain honor. I deserve certain respect. I deserve certain positions, right? Whether the, the younger son or whether the older son, like those who are outside the church or those who are inside the church, God is saying, I love all of you. I want you to come and to have salvation. So the father humbled himself. The last point um, of how the father showed love to his sons is that he listened and he responded with love. When the older son began to explain to him, why is it that he was offended? Why? Because uh, the, your, your younger son, he went and he wasted all of your money with harlots and now you're coming and you're throwing him this party and you're doing like all of this explanation that the older son made, the father stood there and he listened. He didn't interrupt him and he didn't try to make him feel like this was a ridiculous argument. He listened and he didn't, he, he, he didn't, he didn't interrupt him. And even at the end, after it was done, he responded. He says, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And even the response that the father gave his son was not accusatory. He did not attack him. He, he, he said it in a very gentle, loving way and a way to actually teach his older son that he should have more love in his heart for his younger brother. So again, this is the way that God responds to us. Even though we might argue against him, we might fight against him, we might do all these things, and he comes and he responds to us. He responds to us, what? In a very gentle way. So Christ said, what? That he is gentle and lowly of heart. He is very humble. He's very simple. And God speaks gently to us to win us back again to himself, not with harsh words and not with rebuke, but he wants to win us again back to him. 
So in this parable, really, we see truly the, the Father's love. How is it that the Father loves us? And we spoke about six points. The first way that he loved is he gave us free will. The second way is that he didn't rescue his sons or didn't rescue us from the negative consequences that come from our wrong choices. This is actually a reflection of his love. The third way he showed his love is that he raised his, his sons to have good memories. That God wants us to have good memories so that when we come, if we go, are going to go astray and go away from him, it's easier for us to come back again because we remember. And I've heard this actually from several people that maybe when they go to college and they begin to forget and they, be, they, they, they lose their pattern of going to church every week and they kind of stray away for a while. And it was the memories that they had developed as they were growing up in the church that's, that's what allowed them to return again. The fourth way he showed love is he did not blame his younger son when he returned. The fifth is he humbled himself when he was speaking with the older son. And then finally he listened and responded with love. So may God allow us to see the father's love, to see his own love for us and how much he cares and loves, and, and loves us. So that at any time when we feel any kind of selfishness or any kind of feeling of entitlement or a feeling like God is against me or God is not giving me what is it that I desire, we think about this story and we, and we realize we are the ones that are dishonoring him. We are the ones that are not giving him what he deserves. And yet he always responds to us with humility and kindness. And glory be to God forever. Amen.